Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Silicon Dreams on Radio Zindagi 1550 AM. This is your show host RJ Sonia from Orbis 86 and today we are going to be joined by two amazing investors in the field of web3 and we are going to be touching upon the subjects of what's hot and what's not hot in web3 and what are the signals to look out for when you start your crypto journey especially as a retail investor or as an early investor in the world of web3 so let me go ahead and welcome our guests here hi nicole hi wesley welcome to the silicon dreams i'm going to go to nicole first who is we have sure, nicole yeah. from kk labs joining us and nicole why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to our audiences here on radio zindagi yeah thank you thank you the sonia for the introduce so yeah i'm nicole Yes, I'm from Kick Labs. Uh, I joined this. Uh, yeah. Sorry, we have uh, some technical issues here, so I'm going to go to um, Wesley. Wesley first, and Wesley, can you introduce yourself? Sure, absolutely. Hey guys,、uh, my name is Wesley.、Uh, I am the founder of Roots Lab.、Uh, we are a、uh, local Silicon Valley-based venture studio that is focusing specifically on. Uh, pre-seed and seed round investment for Web3 companies、uh, as well as broad.、Uh, so yeah, that's a little introduction about me. Thank you very much for inviting me. Thank you, Wesley. And we are going to go back to Nicole. Sorry about that glitch, Nicole. Yeah, it's okay. So I'm Nicole. I、uh, just、uh, from Kick Labs. We do some kind of like the.、Uh, I join. Ah,、uh, yeah. Sorry, I just、uh, kind of want to、uh, introduce myself. I joined this area before 2017. I kind of like to do some. Very early stage projects before we just only focus on Web three crypto、uh, industry. So, in past five or six years, we I personally invest over kind of like fifty projects before. So right now we establish our own farm. Yes, named the Kick Lab. So right now we kind of like the digital nomads. We're not kind of like headquartered anywhere. So yeah, it's funny. Yeah. Yes, I believe that with COVID we have seen this work culture of、uh, digital nomads coming up. Even at Arbus eighty、mm-hmm. six, we are a Web three remote company. Remote、yeah. first company, and、uh, definitely, especially as we look at Web three companies, we have seen a lot of these companies start with remote workers, right? And that culture seems to have perpetuated, and we continue seeing that. I hope that we won't have a lot of Web three companies calling people back to office, like we are seeing with、uh, Amazons and the Teslas and everything of the yeah, world do that. Google, <laughs> Google, yes. Yeah. If, if well, your days of、uh, enjoying the hybrid life or、uh, work at home is over, I guess. <laughs> It is true. It is true. It is true. Well, let's、uh, chat about、uh, you know your journeys into Web three before we even talk about what、sure. we are doing right now, right? So, Nicole, I'm going to go back to you. Said、mm-hmm. you said that、uh, you started in Web three back in 2017. That was another bull run, right? A、It's、big、true. bull run in the crypto industry, the blockchain industry, the crypto industry, especially from an investment standpoint, has been has seen its cycles, right? We have had these series of bull runs. Back in 2013, I guess when、uh, Bitcoin exploded, and then we also had、uh, also have had bear runs on the back of bad news, like when a cryptocurrency exchange, one of the first currency exchanges like Mt. Gox, went down underwater. But then in 2017, we saw another bull run, and that bull run was ICO,、uh, yeah, led by ICOs, right? So for our in Our audience who is listening in, ICO stands for Initial Coin Offering, 
and it is very similar to companies and when you hear ipo where companies are first initial public offering when they have uh, they are they are going public on the stock market similar to that initial coin offering is when you have companies who instead of launching stocks you could say they are launching coins and they raise money ahead of the coin launches it's called a pre-sales round where people can come in they can buy the token typically at a lower price than what their public sale would be like and we saw a lot of them rise in 2015 16 17 era and then we also saw a lot of them go down like yeah one to zero yeah even <laughs> yes you know a lot of them were just racks. so 2017 how was uh, what happened back then what really sparked your interest and brought you into this wild west of web3 yeah i i it's very random i mean it's very funny things so i do some kind of like stuff uh named the kind of like a white combinator in asia before it so it's kind of like an innovation or a combinator in in asia that will to kind of like inspire or to do some crypto uh to do some incubation stuff with some earlier projects that that is only web 2 so there is founder come from big company named from kind of submit uh that 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 time is facebook or google or amazon or some apple yeah the 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 brilliant people just come back to asia they want to do some kind of earlier stuff so you had people who had already gathered experiences at companies like google yeah and facebook and they were coming back to asia so a reverse brain drum yeah they want to establish kind of like the earlier step startup to do some their own startup before it so and i know then, yeah the funny things i know bunch of brilliant people there so there's one guy he's charge of the kind of like the uh, Hong Kong head of the Hong Kong for the bank list. So he is very smart. He do some kind of like quite smart things. He he before wanted to do kind of like the lecture brand there, but at uh, earlier of the 2017, he just told me, hey Nicole, I just want to do stuff kind of like the crypto fund. I mean, what's a crypto? Yeah, what what's that? Yeah, in 2017, actually, even yeah, now, earlier. a lot of people don't know, right? Like what cryptocurrency is. Yeah. Overall, globally, last year, we only had 89 million active wallets. And mm -hmm. we all know that each person has multiple wallets. So yeah. not a lot of people active in crypto. It's 2017 true. was even different. Because he's kind of like very smart enough. So I trust him very well. So I just curious want to know what, what he do. And I just put some money for him and he just to help me to kind of like open account in Switzerland because their fund is in, established in, in Switzerland. Yes, so, I think yeah. Switzerland has a much Very better yeah. jurisdiction, uh, lesser tax rates as well. Actually, they are very well regulated. They do have taxes and stuff, but much lesser. And uh, they actually have proper regulation in place compared to the United States. So this is interesting. You were running the Y Combinators, uh, sort of an incubation center in uh, in Asia, in Asia. Yeah, yeah. and then some you got introduced to crypto word of mouth right like that's how I think a lot of people got brought into the crypto industry crypto hasn't always been mainstream news and uh, that's how your friend got you in or yeah, this true. smart guy that you were working with yeah I just put some money and after several months I just uh, opened my account there I just say kind of like two or three plus there yeah I just want to dig out what's going on so yeah that's <laughs> 
Okay, so did you that. did you make uh, money? <laughs> yeah, it is. All right, all right. So okay, that's a rare case, by the way, where people learn. I'm kidding. Uh-huh. <laughs> you have to be. It's just like any other. When you're looking at cryptocurrency as an investment, mm-hmm. I think it would belong to the high risk investment asset class. So when we always hear higher the risk, higher the reward. High, yeah, it's true. It's true. So, so especially when you're looking at it as a retail investor, I think that uh, I don't like it when people go betting their entire livelihoods and they take a loan on their yeah. house, on their houses. They will get a hellock and put all of that money in crypto. Crypto is a high risk asset investment class. It's good if you want to take bets like that. But I would say that whenever we are dealing with high risk asset investments, don't put in money that you cannot afford to lose, right? For most of the yeah. people, that is important. And obviously, the age that you are at makes a lot of difference. So if the only source of incomes you, you have are your 401k funds, definitely don't go about gambling that way. But if you are a 20 year old and you're just trying to, uh, like, you know, you got a couple of thousand dollars from your dad. Yeah, just for fun. Where just for like fun, right? It's opportunity where, yeah. yeah it, it's, like, it's like gambling. Gambling at uh-huh. uh, the casino, right? Just that at the casino, you get free drinks. Yeah. No free drinks for you in the world of uh, Web3. <laughs> so, yeah, it's true. So, that, the, at that time, I just, uh, I mean, I have the same philosophy. Yes, to do that, I just uh, put kind of like the several hundred K for, to, to, to my friends there. Yeah. So, after. Uh-huh. Right. So we so guys, you know, you know, Nicole can write for you big checks because uh, she was just retail investing a couple of hundred K <laughs> and she just casually puts it out there. So, yeah, high risk, high rewards. You know, I would have asked you how much you've made, but we'll we'll skip that for some other time. So let's go to Wesley. Wesley, how has your journey been? How did you get into Web3? Yeah, so uh, my journey was quite interesting. Uh, I got into uh, crypto web three as a, as a builder uh, while I was in college. Uh, so, roughly- so by the way, a lot of people use the word builder in the world of web three, and many people outside are like, okay, builder, builder uh, as in uh, like builder as in like project building. Yeah, yeah, so, so uh, developers typically in the world of Web3, people refer themselves yeah, as yeah. builders, you know, people who are building applications. Yeah, yeah. So uh, so I was a builder uh, when, I, when I stepped into this uh, this realm of uh, crypto abyss, right? Um, so the idea of crypto first, uh, uh, you know, uh, first, first came into mind uh, when I was still a college student in UC San Diego. And uh, I believe, you know, that's uh where where the magic kind of grows right like so i uh started my uh, cr- uh first crypto project in uh, 2017 uh at the time you know it was a decentralized research platform uh where it allows like uh you know scientists and researchers to build uh on across this uh, decentralized and distributed ledger uh so what we have uh recognized and uh, uh what we have seen uh, historically uh for the past uh decade um, in the entire crypto space was that uh, majority of the crypto projects are not really having real utility adoptions. Um, and the so few that does uh, are, 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 are the ones that uh, truly utilize the functionalities of blockchain itself, which, uh, which fundamentally blockchain is a decentralized and distributed ledger, right? So uh, 
uh, the idea came to mind. Um, uh, we 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 were thinking about you know the Nobel Prize winners, uh, uh, all the acad- in the academia uh, academia wor- world uh, where a lot of the scientists are not being uh, awarded properly. Um, you know, what uh, example would be given? Uh, this is actually a very interesting story, right? Whereas a uh, very difficult uh, problem called puncture, uh, a mathematical f- uh, problem called puncture, uh, was was actually resolved by a Russian scientist. Um, uh, in early 2016, and uh, uh, the uh, the European uh, Committee of uh, Mathematics uh, decided to award a million dollar worth of grant to this particular scientist uh, or mathematician, and the result was that the mathematician have declined uh, the offer of the grant, and instead uh, he said, "I was standing on the shoulders of the giant uh, while I was building this uh, this whole project out uh, or the solutions out. Uh, that's why I don't think I should be the only person that." Um, gets the reward. Yeah. So, uh, so, so, so that basically came into our mind. We believe that blockchain has the fundamental functionalities of resolving that issue, uh, and building that one out. Uh, I have decided to, you know, uh, uh, pursue my career, uh, continuously in the blockchain landscape, uh, just to see how can blockchain technologies can benefit, uh, the livelihood of, uh, of us and, uh, the, the greater of the society. And, uh, that's, that's how I've been this, uh, in, in this industry. Uh, ever since yeah all right so a lot of folks who actually come into the world of uh, web3 especially as builders they do come in because of the decentralized aspect of applications right and when we are talking about decentralized essentially what we are referring to is the fact that you don't have any single entity or a conglomerate controlling all the applications controlling everyone right you actually have a bunch of people who are able to benefit from what is being built out. And uh, when we talk about decentralization, blockchain started as a decentralized ledger. So what blockchain does is it allows for the unbanked to be banked, actually. So when the white paper came out in 2008, and then subsequently, the Bitcoin white paper came out in 2008 and 2009 was when Bitcoin was launched. and the most important thing that we need to know here is that there are 1.8 billion people in the world today who are unbanked and not because they cannot they don't have the skills to go and bank well unfortunately financial literacy or financial illiteracy is a big burden as well and a problem however a lot of these people are unbanked because banks do not deem them to be worthy customers right banks feel like either these people are high risk or banks feel like it doesn't make sense to bank them because they don't have the transaction volume that the banks are looking for so with blockchain with ledgers you are able to create a decentralized financial layer where anyone can come and open a wallet and anyone can transact on that layer and be paid and be remitted globally. Now, with the era of decentralization, we slowly got into decentralized everything. So now you have the concept of decentralized infrastructure. When NFTs came out last year and the year before that, you had the concept of decentralized art ownership. Well, today, you are taking that concept and creating decentralized ecosystems for artists like musicians, etc., to directly connect with their audiences and benefit from these ecosystems. So that's that's an interesting evolution of uh, the world of decentralization. And uh, we will continue to see it evolve. Most important aspect, as Wesley put forward, is that when decentralized ecosystems are being built, instead of 
a single person or a group of people benefiting or a small group of people benefiting from it you actually have a large number of people the masses who are supporting that chain who are coming together on that decentralized layer everybody benefits from a decentralized ecosystem being built out so that's one way it's different from the traditional ecosystems now to that extent last year at the beginning of the year we saw billions of dollars being invested into crypto and then just from last year to this year like last year i believe crypto investments in first quarter were probably like in the tune of 20 30 billion dollars i don't remember the exact number but this this quarter q3 for example or q2 the investments in the world of web3 have been in the tune of 2 to 2 and a half billion dollars right so as uh, web3 investors i would like to ask you why has this landscape changed so much so drastically in the past 18 months um, let me start with wesley and then go to nicole mm, okay yeah sure uh, so i think for uh, investment landscape uh, one drastic differentiator uh, between last year and this year was uh, regulatory right so uh we have seen the downfall of uh, luna and terra and we also have seen the downfall of one of the biggest centralized exchanges ftx um and the reality is that majority of these uh uh, uh failures uh the projects or the exchanges have uh, have committed um are due to irregulated uh, uh irregulated um centralized standards uh whereas you know if they were traditional uh companies or traditional bankings uh they would be more uh obtained um and to a certain extent you know if you are a uh crypto uh purchaser or if you are looking in um uh owning a portion of tokens in your portfolio right this these are uh just uh this these are literally the um the red flags that you should be looking at uh and and uh, a lot of the institutions are overseeing this themselves as well and uh, as a result they have paid uh, a tremendous amount of um uh, uh money for and also you know opportunity costs uh for what have happened um and secondly i think uh is because of the uh utility adoption uh so uh previously you know Sonia has mentioned about the uh actual wallet addresses uh that are active in the landscape um and we have seen you know uh last year uh a lot of the hype was built around speculative market um and when speculative are coming in true utility adoption is no longer there uh and i believe you know as uh as the tight uh no uh, as a tight uh, defaults uh we see who is really sw- swimming nakedly right like that's that's the analogy that i like i like to use um you know consolidated projects are coming out uh uh to become more recognizable uh vcs are being more conservative which i believe personally a is a good thing. thing right so uh so i don't i i i like a lot of people are pessimistic about uh the current investment landscape uh but in my opinion i think it's actually good right because um the reality is when uh when the market is in fair uh you should be more aggressive and uh when the market is more greedy uh you should be more conservative right so that is right so fear and greed index guys if you don't follow stock market it's a term that comes literally from the stock markets and greed is when everyone is throwing their money because everyone is bullish and in fact at that time you pay a premium pricing for the deals that you're making because you have 10 other people that you're competing with to get a piece of the pie mm-hmm. um and the fear index right is when everybody is selling off and smart people actually tend to invest 
during a time of fear because they are getting prices um, at a really low premium in fact right and they are also not betting against a lot of competition a lot of vcs will monitor that also it is interesting that uh, you know this is the first time that a crypto bear market so even crypto has its bull and bear cycles but since its launch in 2008 the crypto bear market has never really coincided with a global bear market and recession so this is a typical this is an atypical scenario i would say uh, not atypical for crypto but just atypical in terms of the world and the world's global stature where even we have global recession that we are dealing with that coinciding with a big crypto winter or bear market that we are looking at but to wesley's point when we talk about uh, startup valuations and when we talk about vc funds being more conservative this is a, there were symptoms even in the past that showed that the way vcs were investing were not right and with those symptoms we now see the actual sickness set in because there are so many vc funds or so many even hey hedge funds that are writing off their investments right now and so many VC funds that are declaring bankruptcies or startups that are going underwater because they were overly hyped like one of the recent uh, recent use recent scenarios I can think of is Hopin which was a live webinar at one point they were valued at close to six or eight billion and just recently they were bought over by um, another company and I forget the name of the company, but they were bought for $15 million. So from 8 billion to 15 million, right? They were a pandemic startup, pandemic hype company, and they literally went from 8 billion to 15 million. So that is interesting. Nicole, I would love to hear your perspective. You have been investing for close to five years now as a retail mm -hmm. investor, then you created a fund, right? Between last year and this year, what have you seen changed? And I would also like to follow it up with a question that has your own personal investment thesis changed over the last 18 months? The kind of investments you were making over the past 18 months, have they changed? Are you more conservative right now? I would love to hear that from you. Yeah, thank you. <clears throat> I just totally agree with uh, Wesley just mentioned before. So yeah, I mean, from last year to this year, just uh, kind of like the unexpected, some kind of like the Black Swan, the kind of like FTX, Luna, or some other just crash down. So it give, gives the, not only the user and also our investor a big help for us. So that's why we just uh, kind of like the, the investor just uh, put money slowly. And uh, I think I want to uh, addiction one more thing so that kind of like the, the the kind of like a very fancy or a new a trend for the investment side. That means AI. Look at what 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 we are. We are in Silicon Valley. You can you can just go outside. I mean, kind of like ninety percent they want to discuss AI. What's it? What's the next trend for that? So, but most of, of the traditional investors uh, go with the trends, right? So last year Web three was hot. This year yeah. we have a resurgence of AI, especially generative AI and transformers. Uh -huh. So VCs tend to follow the trends. There yes. is a little bit of that herd mentality. But you are a crypto native, um, a Web three native VC, right? Yeah, but me, I mean, uh, my my some of my kind of body, they just uh, invest. Uh, not, uh, not not only invest the kind of like Web three, they were kind of like Web two also. So this year or last year, they want to say, hey, Nicole, what's the kind of like the do you find any kind of like the interesting AI deals you want to share with us? I want to have a seek, have a look there. Yeah, that's a that's a fact there. 
So for me, we yeah, as you mentioned, we just only focus on Web3. So right now we just pay kind of more attention. Uh, right now we change our principle. Before that, we just only invest kind of like the premier market. Right now, we just to change kind of like 1.5. That means kind of like we do want to buy some OTC deals from some kind of like big companies. So we're the would you like to elaborate what an OTC or over the counter deal is so people understand yeah. what oh, you're sorry. talking yeah. about? Yeah, yeah, I love to. So it means uh, we would love to buy some. A share or allocation from some kind of like the investor, they just put some money before some their portfolio. Yeah, so we we we. So can generally, do... when in the world of VC, when people are investing, typically you have investors, and then you have、uh, the concept of lead investors. So lead investors are generally the first company investing in a new startup, the first fund investing in a new startup, and if they are good lead investors, then they will also bring together other investors in、yeah. order to close a round. So a lot of the times, investors are actually waiting for someone else. To, to jump put, the gun, right? Yeah, to, to be the、yes、first investor. Yeah. Yes. So that's what we're talking about. You know what、uh, Nicole here is sort of also referring no, to no, is no. on、It's、the、okay, on the OTC sites. You know, just simplifying it for the audience so they can follow along. A lot of the times, you know, even even just the typical venture capital world. Uh, it's not very accessible to the general population, right? People、yeah. don't know how it works. So, so that's that's interesting. So last year, you're saying that at least in terms of your investments,、mm-hmm. the way it has changed is probably last year you guys might have、uh, led a lot of investment rounds, but now you're trying to follow along, right? Like sign those OTC deals. Yeah, it's kind of like so. We just.、Um, Just to create a, a a name for that to provide some liquidity for some shareholder, yeah, it's very funny. So last year we we just put some money to kind of like to trade layer zero, and this year we just kind of like to seeking kind of like the the layer two projects. The, there is some bunch of deals ongoing, so we just closed fewer last last week. So yeah. All right, all right. So、um, I am going to move from Nicole to Wesley, and、uh, you know, Nicole touched upon these topics of how they have been investing in infrastructure companies primarily, and we are talking about layer zero, layer two.、Uh, before we get into what kind of investments you are looking at right now, and、uh, you know, also spend a little time talking about the impact of the regulatory landscape,、uh, let me ask you a question, Wesley, especially because you are a builder, right? In very simple words and a couple of sentences, can you explain the difference between the terms layer zero, layer one, layer two when it comes to blockchain? Yeah, absolutely. So you can、um, you can think of this as like a、uh, apartment building, right? Like so,、uh, from a fundamental perspective,、uh, layer zero is、uh, the fundamental infrastructure that provides liquidity、uh, on chain.、Uh, so、uh, essentially, what that means is. Right now, in the、uh, in the in the realm of、uh, crypto or blockchain landscape, there are a lot of、uh, different public infrastructures.、Uh, the biggest being the example of、uh, Ethereum,、uh, and then there are smaller ones like Solana, Avalanche,、uh, 
uh, Algorand, right? So uh, liquidities are generally not uh, migratable uh, when it comes to different infrastructure. Uh, it's like early day internet, right? Like so, you're unable to uh, maneuver uh, user asset uh, from uh, from chain to chain without a proper bridge. Um, and layer zero is there uh, to set a seamless uh, interaction uh, between users found on uh, on different chains. Now, layer one are basically the ones that I have just talked about, where uh, you have a bunch of applications that are building on top of uh, these layer ones. Now, application uh, application layer, which is what we normally call uh, uh, in, in the interim of layer one and layer two, is uh, that you know you have uh, your step in, uh, you know game game projects, NFTs. Those are considered about uh, application layer. Uh, and moving uh, above that, you have layer two. Um, now, layer two are generally uh, only built on top of uh, Ethereum. Uh, the reason because uh, for that is because Ethereum itself. Uh, is having a lot of throughput uh, for the transactions and Ethereum itself cannot handle the capacity of the huge amount of you know block productions uh, every single minute or every single moment uh, and therefore uh, layer twos like uh, you know uh, Arbitrum or uh, Metas is there to kind of divide uh, the tension or uh, the or the validation process for Ethereum as a fundamental layer one. Uh, so as as you know, more of the layer two comes out. Uh, layer two is also holds the functionality of, uh, for instance, like zero knowledge proof, right? Whereas uh, user A sends money to user B uh, or assets to user B, uh, the the idea of validating that transaction is uh, perceivable on chain. However, the exact amount is not right. So uh, that kind of utility and adoption comes out. Uh, would uh, grants us uh, a lot, uh, a lot more of a massive adoption uh, in the cases of like uh, traditional banking, right? Where uh, where private clients are not entailed to really wanted their information on chain, uh, uh, and zk can help a lot with that. Uh, so yeah, I think you know those are the um, differentiator or the explanation of uh, between layer zero, uh, the fundamental infrastructure, uh, layer one, uh, the actual. Uh, EVM ecosystem and also layer twos. Uh, I hope yeah everybody can kind of yeah. I, it's, I'm pretty <laughs> sure that you know we would need more follow ups, right? So people can understand these. But that was a great starting point. So layer zero really is that interoperability layer, yeah. which is connecting all these different layer ones. Layer yeah. ones we can think of them as the infrastructure layer on top of which all of the applications that Wesley spoke about those are being built. Mm -hmm. Then. Traditionally, a lot of the layer ones are really slow. Now you have new layer ones coming out, which are fast. So, for example, uh, this week we are going to see the launch of Labs, which yes, is Salab. is they, they are time to yes. So far, yes. they are considered to be the fastest uh, layer layer one. And then we have also seen other layer ones like Hedera um, or Solana that can uh, theoretically have hundreds of thousands of transactions processed per second. And we have also seen that happening on their main net. But when layer ones cannot handle that kind of processing prowess, like Bitcoin, Ethereum today, they just handle a few transactions per second. That is where a lot of the layer two functionality also helps out. Layer twos really help scale up and provide this abstracted infrastructure layer built on top of the layer ones so they can provide benefits like wesley was saying zk which stands for zero knowledge typically 
Traditionally, blockchain is transparent, so you can see everything that goes on. So you basically have all of your dirty laundry being aired out there. On on the other hand, it's also good because it's great for audits. It great it's great for tracking things like carbon footprint because it cannot be manipulated. It is immutable. However, when you want to put things like your personal, if you wanted to bank fully on blockchain, you might want to keep some information private. Or if you wanted to put your health information on blockchain, you definitely do not do not want the entire world to see that. That is where you have applications like or protocols like zero knowledge coming into play where I can see that this health information record belongs to Wesley or it belongs to Nicole but I cannot see the content of that record unless Wesley or Nicole give me access to that so that is what zero knowledge for example enables and that's the kind of stuff being built on layer 2 now I would want to follow up you know with the same question that I asked uh, Nicole earlier in terms of the current landscape, right? How has your investment thesis at Roots Lab changed over the past 18 months? And over the next six months to a year, what kind of projects are you looking to invest in, Wesley? Uh, yeah, so I think uh, for us, uh, it's all, it also lives within infrastructure, uh, like blockchain infrastructure. The reason is that I believe the ultimate adoption for uh, for 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 blockchain technology itself, uh, lays in the um, accessibility, uh, and what I mean by that is right now the cost uh, of maintenance, the cost of usage of blockchain is ridiculously high compared to the centralized solutions. Right? Uh, you have mentioned about you know uh, you know uh, uh, how much how how many people are being unbanked right now in this world, right? But the reality is, if you want all these people to adopt blockchain technology uh, for 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 banking services, their cost is higher than what would it cost to open up a bank account in centralized banking system right now. So why would people actually adopt, right? So uh, our thesis has always been. Um, what would it be the future of blockchain, right? Uh, it would be, uh, you know, this question is uh, some uh, is the same question I have asked myself four years ago, and this is 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 uh, it, it, it boils down to just one simple question: Are there going to be one single blockchain, or are there going to be few? Uh, important, significant blockchain in the world that represents different niches, right? Like, for instance, telecommunication, um, and, you know, the, the, the future of Internet, uh, actual value transaction, uh, like money, right? Future, future, future Internet money. Uh, and, and I believe the answer is the second one, right? Uh, Ethereum is obviously not going to dominate uh, the entire landscape of blockchain. Um, but there wouldn't be like a hundred different chains. Uh, that's that's sort of my thesis. And recently, we have seen like you know modularized we blockchain consolidation happening. Yeah. So 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 we see like modularized blockchain project like Celestia, uh, RISC, uh, you know like Eclipse, uh, you know providing roll up as a service. So blockchain as a service. Uh, this type of project uh, starting to slowly roll out. So that also gives us a very defined um, objective as of you know what. I guess I kind of understand uh, moving forward modularized uh, you know uh, blockchain impact would be uh, very significant to the entire crypto landscape uh, and I, I believe that is something that we are very keen uh, to move forward with and uh, we are we're very strongly believing in that thesis of uh, the modularized landscape uh, from the settlement layer and to the execution layer it can seamlessly um, execute on uh, just about any uh, any 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 transactions so 
so yeah, that's what we firmly believe on. And that is good to hear. So just yesterday in the news, like, you know, we follow some chains closely. So for example, um, Hedera, Fed now, there is uh, an application that they are picking up that they have listed on their website as well as a list of the trusted service providers they're working with. That application is called Drop and it is for micropayments. So that even like today we know ACH is the standard that is used in the U.S. for payments within uh, between businesses and ACH fees we know you know banks charge a lot of heavy fees when it comes to ACH plus ACH isn't necessarily real time it's near real time and at the same time you have to perform ACH transactions during banking hours. FedNow infrastructure it is uh, real time so now you can bank 24 by 7 even with your traditional banks that being said uh, so FedNow they adopted drop and Drop is built on top of Hedera, which allows people to even send a few cents to each other. And that can only be um, supported because of the low cost transaction fees on a chain or a DLT like Hedera. So it's interesting to hear these conversations. Like, you know, what I'm hearing from both you as well as Nicole is the fact that you're looking at investing in Web3 really as the next evolution of internet right as the next evolution of technology as the next evolution of what to of tech of technology and things to build on top of and we call this web 3 because we're traditionally looking at internet in those phases right you had web 1 which was static information was available not easy to find as wesley was also referring earlier that's when you had applications like search engines and google being built so you could look at all of this information but this information was generally publicly accessible right so it was a very open world but then in web 2 we saw applications that be were being built out that were dynamic and you could interact with those applications. However, it also started creating these closed loop ecosystems. Like if your content is on YouTube or your content is on Facebook, you could not easily download it, get it on other platforms, or there is no interoperability between a lot of these bigger players as well. And now we are looking at Web3, where when you put your data on an application like Facebook, now it's not owned by Facebook, you still own it. So that tomorrow, if uh, Facebook was to delete your account or suspend your account, you still own the data that you had put out there. And when Facebook monetizes from your data, you don't actually, you, you get jack shit out of it, right? You don't get anything. But in decentralized applications, we are looking at even the users whose data is being used and targeted, them also earning a piece of the pie. So it's nice to see that we are having these discussions on Web3 as a technology layer to build on. However, the invest the regulatory landscape doesn't seem to be dis having those similar discussions, which is sort of a little sad. But in Hong Kong, right? So Nicole, you started, you still keep going back to Hong Kong, and uh, you are very well invested even in the landscape over there. So Hong Kong recently, over the past couple of months, has come out as a very strong player in the world of Web3 because they have regulations in place. I would love for the two of you to shed some light, starting from Nicole, right on the regulatory landscape in Hong Kong. How do you think it has changed and are there any learnings from regulatory landscape in Hong Kong or globally that you think that, you think that regulators in the U.S. can probably look at? 
Yeah, it's very funny things because we just this discussion before with my friends. So yeah, punch of my friends will they will to change their headquarter to Hong Kong. Yeah, that that means they they were long for Hong Kong. But for me, I'm I'm kind of like hundred percent nomade. So I don't trust kind of like the any place will to trust to to be trust. I mean, yeah. But also Hong Kong right now is very aggressive. They just to kind of like to give some license for a kind of like exchange. But I just uh, just noticed that 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 is only kind of like for some foreigner people. That means not accept the China China mainland people there. So it's kind of like there is a kind of like a bridge there. Or a war there to kind of like suggest only so for, for yeah. folks should know you know people who are listening and should know that China by itself just China mainland China actually has a very regressive stance on crypto. I think yeah. it will change with Hong Kong uh, coming out to the front, but at the moment people cryptocurrencies are banned in China. Not blockchain yeah. is not because in fact the Chinese government is building a lot of. Public applications on blockchain again as a technology. Yeah. However, the use of cryptocurrency, China, we know as you know a communist nation. Typically, there has been a lot of control over the flow of money. Even during U.S.-China trade wars, we know that ex- a lot of larger transactions going outside had to be approved by the government. So, yeah, it's very t- dangerous for the for the e- government. I mean, yes, yes, exactly. But then, cryptocurrency is not regulated by any central body, right? So it really yes, uh, really out of. Uh, Out of under control, so yeah. Exactly, it's just owned by the people. So you think that Hong Kong is really acting as a bridge for people in uh, in China, for example, right? Who want to get into the investment landscape or they want to get into crypto? So Hong Kong provides a good platform for them to go ahead and set up, establish their businesses, and pursue those opportunities.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe who knows? I mean, yeah, I just want to kind of extend a more. Topic that means last year I just travel a lot. I just go to kind of like the African, go to the Kenya and Morocco, and also go to Egypt. So and also kind kind of like the Istanbul. So I mean there is a funny things. If you kind of like the uh where is the kind of like the best arrow or best to to build some web three or best for the、uh, web three people, I think you should you kind. Considering kind of like the first first war, if the country, I mean the real country, the politics there is strong enough, but you can see in in the U.S. or in the China and also in the some Europe country, there kind of like the, have very higher power for the politics there, so that means、uh, the regulations there is very high, so you cannot to do kind of like the very innovation stuff there, so I mean. There is an inverse relationship between、uh, innovation and regulations.、Mm-hmm. A lot of the times,、uh, if it's very highly regulated, it it stifles innovation because you're trying to survive the regulations.、Um, on yeah, the other、yeah. hand,、uh, obviously, you know, we are not saying that regulations are not needed, but、uh, you c- should not be overregulating. There should be yeah, it should under under their rules. It、like. should yeah, you should still function under the rules, but regulation should not kill innovation. Yeah, you you should only to do kind of、like、what they say okay to do. Yeah, it's kind of、like、the maybe there is a kind of、like、a big gray area. Yeah, but yeah, there there is there are bigger gray areas.、Mm-hmm. So,、uh, Nicole, in your experience or just your personal opinion, right? Which are some of the、uh, best crypto-friendly jurisdictions and countries that you think? Yeah, I mean, Web three companies could look at. Yeah, the. First, one thing you should you kind of like the 
to seeking the government is strong enough. If 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 yes, maybe it's not the best. Secondly, if the the if the country have the very high population base, if yes, maybe it's yes. So that means that. So those are important things. Also, I would like to say that you know sometimes if the government is not at not very strong, and if、yeah. it's really bad, sometimes even that is bad because you know you have a lot of turmoil. And you don't know how quickly they will change policies, right? And how、yeah. they will、uh, react to adoption might be quicker because the regulations are not necessarily in place. But at the same time, you never know what kind of policies could come in, what kind of political turmoil you could look at. So that's great input.、Um, I would love to go to you, Wesley, and I would like for to ask you the same question, right? Like, hey.、Um, Like we've spoken about the political landscape, I think that is good. We know that in crypto, we definitely need regulation. We are still not there. But my question to you is: over the next six months to a year, what kind of、um, changes do you see really happening? Right, especially with the regulatory landscape.、Uh, what do you how and how would those changes drive your investment decisions? Uh, I I think that is a very big question. First of all,、uh, you know, like I don't think regulatory landscape would change on dime. On dime means like over the course of six months to twelve months, there's not going to be a big drastic change. What is going to change is going to be projects and builders that are looking more uh, at uh, being regulated. So、uh, instead of regulators coming knocking on your door, these projects are going to be more self-compliant. Meaning more KYCs,、uh, more, uh, more, more, more close to you know friendly jurisdictions uh, and regulated. Uh, and you know like what we have just discussed about Hong Kong.、Um, I think Hong Kong has a very friendly uh, uh, policy right now toward crypto builders.、Uh, and you know like for 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 regulators here in the U.S., I think you know everybody is looking here in the U.S. and why、uh, and how does the SEC respond? Uh, to the entirety of what have happened in the crypto space over the course of the past couple of years,、uh, including FTX, right? So、um, uh, actually, FTX being one of the biggest. So you know, like the、uh, we we see the two、uh, two case study or two autopsies for、uh, two of the biggest company here spawned in the U.S. One is Coinbase. The other one is Ripple, right? The identification、uh, and a classification of two companies are drastically different. Although, in many of the you know、uh, many of the industrial experts'、uh, perspective, they are sort of the same. In mat-、uh, in, in retrospect, I think Coinbase is much more regulated <laughs> in, 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 in the、yes. uh, in the domestic U.S.、Uh, than. Uh, Coinbase is a publicly、right? listed company, in fact, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah so they so, so it's have... very ironic, you know, like how SEC is、uh, targeting them. Yeah, like、uh, you know, Coinbase being one of the、uh, fallacy fallacy institutions、uh, that are that that are that are non non regulated.、Uh, but you know, we、uh, we've been discussing、uh, topics with like projects like Astra, which is a、uh, virtual layer that is building KYC uh, approval uh, processes. Uh, their team of like you know sixteen New York lawyers,、uh, which I believe you know obviously. Uh, projects like this has their、um, uh, ha- has their has their edge,、uh, and you know, with regards to、uh, whether or not these projects will uh, sub- uh, like really help with the、uh, with the ultimate goal of the regulators, I don't know.、Uh, and and but but I think it's a good progress. I think、um, you know over the course of next decade,、uh, we would see something that is more defined,、uh, but not in the immediate six to twelve months. 
definitely not. Yeah. All right. So you know, we are obviously Web three by itself is going to be here for years, right? We and so we will see that evolution change, the landscape change, and we will see a lot of applications, Web three AI, uh, being com like you know complementing each other, building things together on these next age infrastructure layers. Uh, now we are at the end of the show, and before we wrap up. Wesley and Nicole, I would like for you to just tell our audiences that if they are building a Web3 company, right, and if they are looking to come and hit up some investors and just ask for advice or pitch them, where can they find you? So, Nicole, where can people find you? Uh, yeah, you can find me in Twitter or Telegram. I mean, all yeah, right. And what's your t Twitter handle? Uh, Nicole FF002. Yeah. So it's Nicole N I C O L E F F Foxtrot Foxtrot. Double two? Double, yeah, double zero two. Yeah. Okay, double zero two. Like we have the double o seven. It's yeah. a double o two. And, you know, find Nicole FF002 on uh, Twitter. Wesley, where can people find you and Roots Lab? Yeah, sure. So you can just go to our website. Uh, it's Roots with the Z, Roots Lab at, uh, dot XYZ. And just, uh, uh, just uh, fill, in, uh, fill in the contact uh, us form and uh, you'll be able to reach me. All right, so you can find Wesley at Roots Lab. Again, guys, it's Roots with a Z and not an S. So R-O-O-T-Z-L-A-B dot com. Go and uh, fill out an application, and that's the best way to get in touch with Wesley. With that, we come to another episode ending here. So this was the Silicon Dreams. This is your show host, RJ Sonia, signing off. Until then, have fun, stay safe, and uh, keep living. GHR.